0: Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is a 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Shihan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to Warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com. All right. Happy Friday. Welcome to Kuden. And uh, it's great to have a special guest on the show today. I'm Eric White, joined by Shihan Jeffrey Miller. Today on the program, we're going to have a very special guest by the name of George Behan. George coming to us all the way from Newbridge, uh, Ireland, and welcome, George. Great to have you part of the program.
1: Thanks very much. It's a pleasure.
0: And uh, you know, I'll, get, I'll give everybody just a little background here as we we get started on George, and then we'll roll right into our discussion today. Uh, George comes from a long family line of, of military servicemen. He's had a, uh, come up as a tumultuous childhood filled with many scuffles and trained in boxing early on, joined the Al- artillery regiment of the Irish Army at the age of 14. And he got his first introduction to the martial arts, as many of us have, through TV and film, growing up watching series like Kung Fu. Uh, In Dublin, he was introduced to Kempo Karate by a friend, and after about a year of training, moved into kickboxing, but found both to be too simple and and missing something. Uh, George has soon kind of developed the nickname of of ninja with the locals, as he was always renting out ninja movies, and his interest in ninjutsu grew as he found himself searching for a teacher, and would soon find uh, Brian McCarthy, the man who would ultimately bring ninjutsu and the Bujinkan to Ireland, and George has a long career of military and security service. It's taken him from places like Lebanon, where he was up against forces like Hezbollah and Amal and running security details in Germany. And uh, he's trained officers in arrest and restraint, weapons restraint and retention tactics, and has become a security consultant, lending his expertise to companies operating in the Middle East, as well as personal security and bodyguarding services. And George, much like Mr. Miller, is a veteran of combat security and street experience and We welcome him today to the show. He's going to lend his expertise and commentary to today's discussion of critical mistakes that students tend to make when studying the martial arts. So, George, I hope I got most of that right. Uh, Welcome to the program. Again, it's great to have you with us.
1: Thanks very much. Uh, You you got everything right except for when I was 14, I joined the Reserves. So it was like part-time uh, reserve service. I lied about my age; it was supposed to be seventeen, but I was tall and skinny, so I got away with it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's amazing!
0: So you know, uh, we've we've got you know, Mister Miller has written you know many many books and had many discussions about mistakes that most people make when when not only kind of searching out martial art teachers, but also the training itself and. You know, we kind of turn our eye back towards ninjutsu and, and even the bujinkan. And, uh, sir, I know you want to talk about uh, kind of that latest ebook uh, of yours about those kind of three critical mistakes that that tend to get made. Uh, and, and I'm sure George can certainly echo many of those and what he's coming through
3: uh, his training. Oh, is it my turn to talk? That's uh, I, anyway, Sorry, maybe. I just tried to try to throw a joke in. Anyway, let's keep it lighthearted. If okay about mistakes, ego- <laughs> seriously <laughs> <laughs> well nice. i was looking for the so, quick
0: immediate answer what am i doing wrong tell me now because I, I need to- right
3: right right then you're absolutely going to fix it right no right. Uh, i i, I want to especially keep this show lighthearted because uh when we talk about mistakes that people could be making we're poking at ego right because we we've made these decisions to do things and you know, we learn from somebody and we have loyalties and, and things like that. And um, it can be difficult to turn to somebody who has actual street experience, you know, because that's not the same as the style we're doing or whatever, right? When um, even Hatsumi Sensei has, has said in classes in Japan that people need, regardless of rank, they need to get with and talk with people who have actual fight or combat or whatever kind of experience whether they were bouncers or whatever where they've actually dealt with conflict because these people may not be able to tell you how to precisely do xyz kata or they may not know as many techniques in the in the art as you know but these are the people that are going to tell you how you better be training if your focus is on self-defense so um i I do want to keep it lighthearted today so uh as, as lighthearted as we can so we'll balance it out as we go along yeah so we'll, we can talk about the the ebook later i mean uh, the only thing i want to talk about now is it's free so but it, it the reason why i i, I kind of tagged that on for folks that might be looking to carry this on more is because george and i are talking about um things that we've had long conversations about um in, in the past anyway but uh we just look around and see how people are training uh, and there's nothing wrong with the art that we're training in there's nothing wrong with uh, the way many people are training, but if we also look at other ones and have to, I don't know, slap our heads or have a pint or two to, uh, get the images out of our head because what we're looking at is just, it's not just stupid. It's, it, it's going to get it killed, you know, so anyway, so, uh, uh, George, how about if you, uh, I'm just going to toss the question back out again. What do you see as some of the big mistakes that people are making in their training? And they're they're missing out on if they're really going to be ready for bad situations.
1: Uh, first and foremost, I think um, the the training modus operandi within the Dugin can has been kind of changed over the years, from my yes. time when I started in 1990 even to now. Yeah. Probably even more so in your case. You you're training a bit longer than me. Um, um,
3: horrendously. <laughs> yeah, it's, I it's definitely think a that
1: back in. I think back in the 1990s when I started training, there was very little information about kata, very little information mm. about the ryuha. So what we did have was Sanchen, Ki and hapo, the basic strike, some handball and maybe some tanto and some bojutsu and some basic katana work to do. So from my perspective, in that sense, it was good in a way because what happened was that a lot of people trained the basics a lot because that's all they had. Um also mm-hmm. people paid more attention to their fitness, their flexibility, their agility. Um I think we've all noticed over the last few years that new people coming into the Bujin Khan not saying all of them, I'm certainly not saying all teachers teach like this either, but new people coming into the Bujing Khan and certainly uh some Sheehan or, or some teachers out there have an hour and a half long class with a with a forty five minute Beginning period, stop for a cup of tea like they do in Japan, and then continue on for the next forty-five minutes. which is ridiculous. We're not Japanese. We don't live in Japan. Hashimi Sensei is eighty-five years of age. All the shihan are in your late sixties, early seventies. They need a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're younger. Yeah. If we're younger, we don't we don't need a break. That's simple. Uh, Ninety minutes of 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 technique learning is not training. It's practice. Training is, is keeping fit, is going out for a run, doing push-ups, doing sit-ups, taking the gym. Those are all necessary parts to support your practice of will. To start with. Secondly, they're definitely necessary parts to be able to adequately defend yourself in a street situation. Um if, I mean, you have know, a guy there at 15th down his belly's hanging out over his knees and he can't do one push-up, he won't be able to save his own ass. He wouldn't be able to kick his way of a wet paper bag on a hot Sunday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I knew I could count on you for one of those. <laughs> anyway, no, I absolutely agree. And uh, while post-accident I have put on some weight, um, there's still lots of uh, fitness and things that, that, you know, I'm doing on a regular basis. So you do the best you can with what you have. And so I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, stretching and it's I mean,
1: amazing. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I I had I had Norman Smithers here who is 70 years of age. On Sunday, yeah. he's been mm-hmm. Shinopudori or Jutajit. Norman's mm-hmm. lepping out of his skin for a 70-year-old, you know, although he has some injuries. And obviously, you know, we work around those things. We, you mm-hmm. know, as we get older, we develop, you know, pains and stiffness here and there and whatever, but, you know, we take care of ourselves. We, well, that's our obligation. It's the first part of self-defense. I think it's in the tenri Konamaki, how to stretch. You know, how yeah. to loosen up your joints, keep, them, keep your joints mobile. Yeah. For me, all of the self-defense that you need in the bridging band is in the tenri Konamaki. It's yeah. just down to following that procedure and and, and and practicing it and getting better at it and better and better and better. Yeah, know, and that takes time because of the methodology of teaching and the methodology of practice. We want to, we don't want to learn our techniques too fast because our techniques aren't going to save us in a fight, but we want to learn them so that we have, you know, this commonly referred to term as muscle memory, you know, building proprioception. Yes. the one thing that doesn't fade with age.
2: Yeah, and I,
3: I, uh, one of the it, things that I harp on quite it, a bit it, is people, they, they, um, they, they spend a lot of time on techniques and it doesn't matter if it's formal kata or if it's uh, the, you know, teacher showing, whatever, and then everybody just does repetition. But uh, to me, a lot of folks are missing pulling those small pieces out, those things that should be worked into muscle memory, and drilling them again and again and again so that they don't have to think about it when they need it. You know, there's nothing worse than having to, to, to look at someone and say, you know, it's it's this movement here, and they look at you like you have three heads like they've never seen it before, but it's, you know, it's a piece of one of the kyonapo or or something like that. And it's, it's a redundant little piece that comes up over and over again. Um, the number of people that they can't get their angling right. Um, and I, I've shared this story before, and I, don't, I think I talked to you about this when we had a little meeting in Dublin. But uh, yeah. one of the most recent years in Japan, I was in Issuksente's uh, dojo. I was training with this black belt. And I had to stop him. We kept, you know, we were doing our technique, and, and I had to stop. Him and I said, you know, I, I don't know what rank you are. I, I don't know who you trained with. And I don't care. I just want to let you know that every time you go back into kumai, I want to kick you in the groin because it's right in front of me. And he said, well, I don't have to worry about that. That's not in this technique. Oh. And I, <laughs> uh, I said, <laughs> oh, I my my mistake. I thought you always had to worry about getting kicked in the groin or hit anywhere that you're exposing and leaving within range. And uh, so, it, just ignore what I just said, right? Um, but that just yeah. seemed to be the, the prevailing thing that they're just they're focused on the technique, and because that technique doesn't have a kick to the groin, they don't have to worry about it. So they're so focused on that that thing. So the other thing that I see, and and I, and, I you know you, you talked about the the fitness things and all that stuff that's in the beginning uh, stages of the tenjuk uh, tenjin um is that I also see people gravitating toward that and doing you know i mean they're they're focusing on health and fitness and energy and all that which is great but when it comes to the actual self-defense kind of things that's i don't know it's almost more playful and um so you know, they're, they're they're unbalanced on the spiritual side and or the fitness side and not really self-defense minded you know they're not. That
1: makes me laugh. Not, that makes me laugh so hard. Sorry, sorry for cutting across you guys.
3: No, no, it's okay. I, I, yeah. I,
1: I, <laughs> I came across a guy who tried to tell me that you know inside the breathing can there's secrets to tight sheet, uh, you know, chi energy development and all that kind of stuff. And I said, okay, that may well be. I said, but do you see how to into teaching any of that stuff? That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so and besides that, besides, besides be, Kuji, Kiri and Kuji In, I said, okay. Well, in the early you're, 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 days, Hatsumi said they wrote about
3: this stuff a lot. Yeah, no, Hatsumi said, he wrote he, on this stuff he he about this about a it? lot a long time ago. He did, where he talked about, um, you know, when people would ask questions about the kuji or the spiritual stuff or whatever, he said, you want to work on that? Work on your taijutsu more. Because that that ability is comes from areas that will be turned on and improved by doing taijutsu correctly. So if you're doing exactly. type of doing from an experiential, uh, tactile feel, those kind of things, and you're not doing it from a left brain processing kind of thing, it it opens up those things. And whether they exist or not, does it really matter if you can't get it? If you can't duck a punch, I mean,
1: um, no, it doesn't. Because you, it, it, the reality of it is, yeah, you could be the greatest Tai Chi master in the world, and there's a video clip Klutner on YouTube you know, at the moment, a Chinese Tai Chi guy taking a challenge from an MMA guy. The MMA right. guy hammered a living shit out of him in about two seconds.
3: Yeah, I just saw you know, a video so, of somebody so, that was trying to show how he could use his chi to stop somebody from punching him. And this video ran... I don't know why they still posted
1: it unless it was somebody that just wanted to make the teacher... It, it, was it a Russian uh, guy kneeling uh, down in front of a Tai Chi guy and the Russian guy slapping him in the face? No, 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 no. That, I saw that video. This
3: was another video where there was this tall blonde guy, very young. He was trying to do these little hand movements and all that and prep himself so that I don't know if he was creating a force field or whatever it was, but, um, this other guy, he kept coming out of, uh, I punching him right in the face. Must have hit him three or four times before the guy, the teacher finally, you know, stopped him and everything, but, uh, he, he had enough balls to reset himself several times, but he just kept getting hit. And, um, you know, it just, it wasn't working. It worked for the students. It worked for those who drank the same Kool-Aid, but, um, you know, it's
2: just, it wasn't well, working in the States. But
1: it's, it's, well, it's, you know, it's, like, it's like, you know, for... Like for, I said before, there, there's there's an element of mass hypnosis in Budo. Sure.
2: Yeah. It,
1: yeah if you go okay. to your class, yeah, and you think the sun shines out of your sensei's arse, and you think he's the greatest king since sliced bread and the, since the wheel was invented, you're always going to believe the bullshit he sells you. Because Until yeah, sometimes somebody comes along and hammers you. <laughs> You're looking at them going, Sensei, it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Eric knows um,
3: if if and I don't, I can't remember if he's ever done it, but I'm sure he would remember. Um, if anybody ever pulls a punch on me or purposely misses uh, in training, if I see that that's going to happen, I don't move at all. But yeah. if they pull their punch, they get not only a chastising, but they get a butt kicking afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a reminder, and a reminder, never ever ever pull your pull your stuff on me. To pull your punch on your teacher says two things. One, I don't believe my teacher can really do this, so I'm going to help him out. And two, it's I don't know what that says. It it says that if I hit him, then this stuff doesn't really work, and I've made a mistake, and so ego can't be wrong. Whatever, right? I've been hit several times by that's, students that's, who got a good shot in, and. You just keep yep. rolling with it and turn it around. If you think you're yeah. going to learn this stuff and not get hit on the street, <laughs>
1: um, I think I think said when he was making the, when he was making or the TV series, he in, in in one of the fight scenes he allowed himself to be cut. It was in one of those interviews a long time ago that I read, <laughs> and he said, um, you know, mm-hmm. basically, you know, along the lines. I'm only paraphrasing here, uh, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm showing my humanity and my vulnerability as a human being by allowing myself to be cut. That in that in battle, you're going to get cut regardless of how good you are. You're going to get absolutely. Hit of, yeah. So absolutely. Uh, my attitude is this: yeah, if your student can hit you and you don't get out of the way, it's your fault.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. If your, if your student doesn't hit you and punches, punches or redirects him, which makes this kung fu, I call it. Yeah, it's his fault. Because right. it, 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 he 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 he's been too deferential to you in terms of uh, you know bowing down and kowtowing to you as a sensei, or 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 he may think that you know really you know his subconscious is saying this is a load of shit. I don't really want to be here training because uh, you know, and then that that requires a, a bit of reevaluation on his part and the conversation between the teacher and the student.
3: Yeah, one of the and questions through. I always ask a student when they when they pull punches, I say, um, "Will I hit you?" Yes. Then this is your chance. <laughs> take huh. a shot, you know, <laughs> um, because if I get hit, it's absolutely my fault. Yeah, I mean, totally. if, we all need to take responsibility for this stuff. If if you don't want to train a certain way, and I get it, people want to do soft training for for safety and all that, and there's certainly a place for that in training, but at certain times, <clears throat> even with soft training. You still don't pull your punch. Um, You know, you, you still need to make contact. Um, but it ultimately comes down to you're either training for self-defense or you, you've got a hobby where you get to dress up and basically do a Japanese form of dance, but you're going to call it martial arts. Well, mm. it, it's, mm-hmm. it's But it's not martial, right? I mean, martial is combat. I mean, the very definition of martial is about combat. Mar- so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so anyway. See, I, I really love this discussion because,
0: you know, me, uh, uh, my background, I, I come from a totally different, uh, side that the two of you have come through. Combat experience and these real world on the street situations that, you know, admittedly, I've never been in. Never been in a scuffle fight, any of this, but, uh, I've heard, you know, you, Mr. Miller, talk about, uh, you know, how those things develop and what the experiences of when something, a real world situation happens. And I always find these the most interesting discussions because this is kind of the heart at what I'm trying to drive to because. A student like me, we just have no no concept of what it is to be in that situation. The, the the you know fear that may come about, and then you know we, as you guys are mentioning, all these people in Sōke's class, and yeah, that's not the technique. And they're so driven by technique. I know, sir, I've heard you say that you get in these situations and you don't find yourself pulling off the perfect oni kudaki, but you find that you've caught it and can do something with it and recognizing the moment in which you you've able, you're able to grasp at that thing. So, you know, my only kind of touch on this is that, you know, I've experienced something as simple as tripping over an Ottoman in my living room. And instead of falling flat on my face, have found myself on the floor in some relative sense of, of like a cohen, you know, and gone, wow. You know, after the fact I realized the muscle memory of doing, however many of those in class coming up through through your school that it came out and it, it, it actually helped me I, d- I didn't realize i was doing it but there it was because we put the training in so I'd, I'd love to hear some more talk too about just how how your experiences in combat and how things have come out that you've put in in training what what are those types of events like
3: well, one of the things, and we, t- we kind of hinted at, at spiritual training before that some people want to do that kind of thing, but one of the things that I found, especially when I was uh, doing police work in the military, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Jack Reacher. Um, yes. I'm a big fan of the Jack Reacher uh, books by uh, Lee Shields. I mean, you know, there, it's 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 a fictional
1: book. I, right? I heard it's a biography of you, Jeff.
3: <laughs> yes. oh, there you go. See? Thanks. We didn't have a joke for a while. Awesome. Anyway, <laughs> so but one of my favorite lines was uh, he was he was kind of having this little back and forth in the beginning uh, after this assassination occurred, and this one uh, civilian cop, you know, is just trying to jab at him because he's an ex military policeman, right? Almost like he's trying to downplay it. And at one point, the civilian cop says to to Reacher, he says, "Uh, you know, so what? You know, you were an army cop. What could you possibly know?" about uh, homicide and uh, Reacher's answer was um, I, you're right I was a military policeman that means that everybody that I arrested was a trained killer
2: hmm.
3: so it's very different for the civilian guy right so anyway one of the things that I very quickly picked up on was just this intuitive sense that you know if I were if I was on patrol when I was in uh, stationed in Korea right and so we'd go on the patrol into the village that was right there adjacent to the, the post. And, uh you know, Friday, Saturday nights are no different there than they are here, right? Guys are out just trying to relax and forget that they're doing whatever they're doing. And uh, I just remember walking into places and seeing guys being rowdy in a corner and just recognizing that they're just being rowdy. It's not that I'm not paying attention to them. It's just that they're having a good time, even if they're yelling things at me or whatever but I'm picking up just weird vibes from this corner of the bar where this guy's just kind of trying to not look at me, but it's just that there's something weird going on in that direction. And I just became much, much better at just kind of picking up on that intuitive sense mm-hmm. of whether somebody's uh, dangerous or not. Does that mean that it works all the time? No, of course not, right? Um, sociopaths and psychopaths tend to not, project very much at all, especially sociopaths. Psychopaths, you can pick that up, but sociopaths tend to be very, very cold and flat, but that in and of itself has a feeling. And after talking to a bunch of people that have gone through the fifth on test and recognizing that what people feel, you can't communicate it. I mean, you know, we've talked about that in class, right? We can practice for it. Uh, We can practice the rolling part, the evasion part, the feeling part and all that, but ultimately it's going to be up to you. But some people you know, and Hatsby Sensei is the one doing the test, right? So some people, like with me, there was a feeling of almost being pushed, right, out of the way. So there's that, right? But other people, like Jack Hoven, I don't know if you know Jack Hoven or not. He's a friend of mine from New Jersey. He's one of the three teachers I started training with way back in the day.
2: Um, to here. him, yeah, right. to him,
3: the feeling is like a vacuum being created, almost like a hole that he's going to fall into. So hmm. that's exactly opposite of what I felt, right, or that I feel. And for other people, it's it's very, very different, right? So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, for, it's, for, for it's me personal. For me, so. for, me, for me, working on the doors, it's often a case of, well, like, when I've done a lot of security work on the doors, and particularly in Liverpool, it was very, very rough. Um, we can go into that later if you want to ask some questions about it, but for me, it was a case of I'd be standing there, everything's the atmosphere is great, people are in a good mood, next thing, boom, just the energy out of the whole place gets drained out of the place yeah. five minutes before something Absolutely.
2: happens.
1: So it's like that vacuum, mm-hmm. kind of like a and vacuum it- that Jack spoke about, and then there's another side to that as well, That my stomach would flip. Um, hmm. I used to think yeah. that was excitement. Uh, I used uh, to think that yeah. was a good thing. No, yeah. it's a bad thing. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. you know? yeah. no.
3: But either way, whatever people fit, whatever, um, th- the different situation is that in an instant, it's almost like the air changes or the, the, the just what you're experiencing just changes, right? And um, so what people are trying to do is they're trying to look for that and train that and whatever. But the reality, from my perspective is, and Hatsumi said things kind of back this up and so some of the other shihan, is that, until you feel it, you really feel it, and you know what that feels like. You can't work on it. So, well, to to think I mean, that you I, can I, not I would,
1: have. It I would go even further. I would go even further to say, even if you feel it for the first time, you're still gonna get your face punched in. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. absolutely.
3: Eric times mm-hmm. Eric mm-hmm. on uh, the Godon test with uh, me, whacking you with a shinai from behind, and you <laughs> got hit. Yeah. Right? So. Um, Yeah, but, you know, then that's one of the reasons for doing drills where maybe you put on some gloves and maybe you're not going to get punched in the face. Maybe we aim for that triangle shape that your T-shirt makes where your gi crosses over, right? So we're going to punch there instead. But either way, you're going to get hit with some serious firmness that's going to knock you back, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That in and of itself will start to trigger people's adrenal response and start to get a taste of that feeling of, I don't want to be here. I don't want this to
1: be happening. If somebody thinks they're going to get hit hard, even even the thought of it kicks off an adrenaline response. Hmm.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the, instead of. The thing of, is instead with adrenal plug...
1: responses, the thing with adrenal yeah. responses is every single situation is going to give you a different adrenal response. Hmm. Yeah. Every yeah. situation. It's not always going to be the same. There's going to be similarity. Sure. But no individual, no, 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 let's say. It's not a case of 9 out of 10, you know, uh, uh, situations that you find yourself in where where you get an adrenaline dump. It's going to be the same feeling. It's not. It's going to be a case of yeah. every single one of them are different.
3: Well, and that's and, what people and are looking for. They're looking for that quick answer, right? You know, they're there's just no looking for that quick answer. answer. <laughs> there is no quick answer. That's like the the, uh, the thing that the uh, BJJ guys pushed when, when they first brought all that stuff here and created the UFC the whole marketing premise was that all fights go to the ground. That hasn't been my experience. I mean, are there, have there been times when I've been in a scuffle with somebody where we went to the ground? Yeah, but not even over half of them have gone to the ground. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to be able to throw something out like that just pushes things to a, to a direction where people are looking for a quick fix. They're looking for that can one I, I answer. Them,
1: yeah? Sure, of course. Um, the, the thing about you know, 90% of fights go to the ground stuff. Um, another prominent uh, writer on self-defense stated, "No, that's a statistic skewed and taken out of, out of context from the Californian police, where uh, they said that 90% of, of uh, tussles, where a individ- cop made a dynamic entry into a house or a room, ended up the first guy ended up on the ground because somebody grabbed him and pulled him." yeah or seventy percent actually then the other side okay. is for me, from my experience, is if ninety percent of all fights end up on the ground as let's say a hypothesis, then it is only because the individual was ambushed from behind or outside his peripheral vision where he couldn't see the attack. I so, agree, yeah in that sense you have to you have to be clear on this an ambush ninety percent of ambushes end up with the victim on the ground, mm sure. Yep. Not ninety percent of fights.
2: That's right.
1: Fighters are clear distance. about things. Generally right? Yeah. Generally we can say that they're duels. Yeah, so they're tests of manhood, whatever they want to call them, right? It's usually a face off. Guys are puffing themselves up, walking up and down shouting in roaring, the and then they close distance, next thing one guy pushes another, it goes to the ground, maybe. Or a guy gets punched, which is most like more likely, even though wrestling is more natural to humans.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So With kids, you will see a lot of fights will go to the ground because they're grappling and wrestling. Because they don't have this trained method of striking. Because striking another human being takes a certain amount of practice and training. Whereas grappling Mm -hmm. and wrestling and tussling on the ground doesn't. Right. It's more more subconscious and it's hardwired into our nervous system and our biology. Just like throwing rocks and
3: swinging sticks.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you know, uh you know, throughout culture and history there's been different forms of martial arts in different countries and they're affected by the agricultural base and how they how they grow their food or whether they're hunters or gatherers and so on and so forth. But mm. grappling and wrestling has always been part of humankind's nature. If we look at dogs and cats, they grapple and wrestle as well. They don't bite each other straight away, but they right. will bite a different animal. Right. Do you get me? Mm. So it's, yeah, the play is it.
3: all about wrestling.
1: Yeah, and we have this innate... Um, oh, I have the word in German, but I don't have it in English. We have this innate... <laughs> um, uh, the Germans say hemmung, which is... Uh, we have this innate idea that... Our feeling that we can't hit other people. It's very, very... Oh, yeah.
2: Um, mm. yeah.
1: When you, yeah. Especially yeah. when adrenaline <laughs> is there, you're trying to hit someone that... This slows down. Everything slows down. The power is gone out of your hand. You hit them, and it looks like you've done nothing to them. And they look at you and go, "Pussy," and then smack you one and knock you out. You
2: know? Right, right,
1: right,
3: right. Yeah. When and you know, I, I often direct students to watch a lot of these uh, videos or these fights, not because you know, I'm, I'm just I'm not a big fan of uh sport violence. That's just not my thing. But at the same time, yeah. you know, I, I will watch these things to watch strategic you know, action or people that just don't know how to do it or whatever. And, you know, everybody wants to to punch to the face and, and things like that. And on one side, just watch a not even a boxing match because the gloves are much thicker and all that. But, you know, look at a bare knuckle fights on videos or look at the UFC kind of thing and see how many times people get hit in the head before they drop. And a lot of these knockouts are almost an accidental shot. Where it's a flailing kind of thing, and it just happens to hit the right spot at the right direction, and goes, and the person goes down. But if you think you're going to hit somebody that's used to getting hit in the head once or twice, and that's going to be it, um, you know, you need to really rethink it. And on the second side, I remind people that you know the the techniques and the kata that were passed down for us, the the punch that, that we're dealing with is not a punch to the face; it's a ken to the windpipe. It's a hmm. it's a kill shot, you know. So, you, you know, we, we're looking at things that shut the human body down as quickly as possible, as opposed to. And it, I get again, I'm going to go back to some. Some people are going to have their feathers all ruffled if they didn't already turn things off already. But um, I, I get the soft training and everything. But even when you're doing soft training, you can't just freaking ignore the fact that you're not hitting. That you're either hitting or not hitting things that will be uh, that'll be the clincher. You know, there's a reason that Uko, that the point on the side of the neck, is 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 a, a primary shot in a lot of these kata because you know it's not just that all the blood vessels are in there, but the fact that the spine is very uh, thin, and when you when you hit that way, it moves the spinal column. If you move the spinal column, you cut the spinal cord. So, you know, a lot of these things. I don 't think people get the gist of what's really going on other than they're learning something, you know, and you can do this, and, and it's but not that part of the they problem there
1: come. I think part of the problem there is right, we're, we're, we're studying a traditional martial art, which, <coughs> martial art, right which are yeah. taught in a certain way according to the custom of the country, from uh, the country of origin. Right, yeah, and also yeah. influenced by yeah. their, their religious, societal and spiritual beliefs right mm-hmm. in in that sense, yeah, these people back in the middle ages and leading into the early nineteenth uh, seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth centuries, these people still had a daily job to do, although they were they were able to train a lot more often than we would be now today. I mean those guys mm-hmm. were training six hours a day, seven hours a day, right right work yeah. So yeah. that's why they were able to achieve Menku Kaiden in three or four years.
2: <laughs> you
1: know they're right. right. training seven hours a day, six, seven days a week.
2: Yeah. And then move it's
1: on it's to like the It's like in next Buddhism
3: when, Yeah, it's like in the stories in Buddhism where they've attained enlightenment in ninety days or less or whatever, but they frickin' went off to a forest or a mountain and got away from every distraction. Um that made it easier. So, yeah, I mean, they had time to do things. And on top of that, they were, a lot of these guys were professional warriors. So, you know, a lot of them came from aristocratic families where they weren't the ones necessarily doing the toiling, you know? Um, so yes, they had jobs, but at the same time, um, they had, like you said, they had more free time. According to my research, back in the day, people want to do things the traditional way, but back in the day, you had to have a lot of money to pay a teacher to learn this stuff. It was extremely expensive. Only the well-to-do people could afford to to do this kind of training because, like you said, they had jobs. If, if you had a job where you were a farmer and you worked from sun up to sundown, what kind of time do you have left over for martial arts training? You know, um,
2: same thing little.
3: with playing a musical instrument or anything like that, right? So, um, I think people miss the
1: the uh, the so they're
2: just so can, we, can, can,
3: can,
1: can, 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 can we look at things in modern context.
2: society and, and, yeah
1: well to put it in contact right yeah of course I work in the security industry so if I was working in security in a security job be it as a manager okay I might work 8 hours a day but as an operative on the ground I would be working 12 hours a day so that means an Correct. hour getting to work an hour getting home that's 14 hours
2: right okay. so, mm-hmm.
1: and I go train once a week where do I get my time to practice? Where do I get my time to train? Where How do I keep fit? How do I stay flexible? Right. That's all my responsibility as a student. It's not Absolutely. my teacher's responsibility. Yeah, It doesn't yeah, matter. Far too, many people
3: confuse, too many, far too many people confuse dojo time. With, that should be learning time. They confuse that with being practice
1: time. Hmm. That's not practice That's time. They're not what we do and the Taekwondo and the Karate guys and the BJJ guys do.
2: Yeah. yeah?
1: You look at people paying horrendous amounts of money to be on a program in a commercial gym or dojo or MacDojo if you want to call it that, right? And they're, and they're, and they're, they're breaking their nuts, getting a sweat on, you know, and, and come out of training feeling great. Three, four times a week, yeah? Still takes them 10 years mm. to get a black belt in BJJ because BJJ has this thing about 10 years being, taking 10 years to get a black belt, right? Mm. But mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, yeah? they can accelerate their progress faster by practicing at home. They just don't do it because they want to spend all their time in the gym in the do- or the dojo with their buddies. Mm-hmm. And that's right. abdicating responsibility for their own personal development
2: the progress.
3: Well, it doesn't sound like anything we talk about, does it, Eric?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all.
3: <laughs> you know, it's,
2: oh, wow. Um, when, when, when you go the, to
1: the dojo, my personal view is when, it, when you go to the dojo, you, you go there to learn go home and practice. Yeah. Yeah. You don't go there yeah. to turn and leave it in the bag and put it away until next Wednesday.
0: Well, and I I kind of that's a good point here where I kind of want to segue into a, an, another question or topic that uh, I know you can speak to, George, and, and Mr. Miller, you brought this uh, up to me as but, you know, uh, for example, when uh, the last time I was training in Japan, what I really enjoyed uh, was I, I think it was only, it was only our first short period of time and I only made it to one of the classes with Soke. But what I really enjoyed, and this was the same experience when I went years ago with Mr. Miller in a large group was that the follow-up class we had with Shiraishi Sensei, uh, was a lot of all the pieces I totally missed from, you know, my, my lack of knowledge and just not knowing what to look for. But he, he would pull those pieces out and we would get more in depth with them and, and it gave me a chance to take away from that and then go practice those things on my own uh right. and and that I found very valuable and sir I know you were telling me uh, I think George you had a recent experience of uh, a a question you brought up when training with Shiraishi about rolling I would love to hear you talk about that
3: Yeah was it wasn't a question George during our last conversation you we were talking about being in one of Shiraishi's classes and doing rolling and uh you pointed out that that wouldn't work with uh with tactical gear on because the person would get hurt. And this is this is some of those things that I'm talking about that without, without training with someone who has experience or being maybe one or two levels down, but you still trained with the person with the experience that you're going to completely miss out on because people are focusing on the skills, but they're forgetting that, you know, maybe they're a police officer. So doing some of these roles a certain way, you're going to roll over a handcuff case or you're going to roll over you know, your mace canister or whatever and crack a frickin' hip. Or uh, you're
1: going to roll over your shoulder you, and just stay there, lying on yeah, your back Yeah, that's like right.
3: Right, or you might be carrying your baby and you might have to go into something. So you may need to roll, but have you held on to something like a duffel bag or something so you could practice rolling holding something? Have you practiced rolling picking up something uh, that you could use as a weapon in process? Could You know, those kind of things. So um, could just speak a little bit about, uh, I just want you to kind of repeat the story a little bit
1: about that, I think, that, um, that
2: inner... That I remember that.
1: System. I've only ever been to three of Shureishi Sensei's classes, I'll be honest. Right? Okay. But the one, my very first class with Shureishi Sensei, he pulled out an mm-hmm. airsoft M16 or Colt, M4 Colt, and was rolling around doing forward rolls with, a, with an M4 Colt. And, okay, we done it. We went through all the stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then he took a break, and then he said, uh, I said, can like I say something about taking carry carrying a weapon, like a modern weapon?
2: I said, yeah, sure. I said,
1: there isn't a soldier in the world who will roll like that with a rifle. Because first things first, if you do a forward roll and the barrel is pointing towards the ground, which inevitably it will be, right, you could stumble. Mm-hmm. The barrel will end up getting stuck in the ground. It'll be full of mud,
2: mm.
1: right? Secondly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when you when, while you're rolling over, you could end up accidentally shooting yourself or your partner or your, your 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 battle buddy beside you in the foot or the leg or wherever. You could have a mm-hmm. negligent discharge because you bang your shoulder. It sets. It hits a nerve. The nerve gets triggered, and it causes you to squeeze the trigger. These things, in essence, from a military perspective, are really stupid. Yeah. So yeah. he said to me, "Okay, well, well what kind of ocami would you use?" Uh, carrying a rifle, and I said, well, you know, it depends on context. I said, basically, the most common you can me anybody with a rifle will ever use is getting down in the prone position to shoot. So you you fire off two rounds, stand then two rounds and then drop into the prone position, take position, and, and take your shot at your target, let's say on the range, in combat can be the same thing. Because you don't always want to present the same target to an enemy. Yeah? And that, again, speaks to Effective firing range of, of an assault rifle or a pistol. Yeah, effective fire range is 300 metres of any assault, most modern assault rifle. But practical uh, 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 firing range is much closer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah?
2: absolutely. Same
1: with a pistol. Same with a the pistol. They say 35 metres, yeah. effective firing range of a pistol. Let's say a browning automatic.
2: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, except,
1: except the average
3: combat distance is seven yards. So, so exactly you know,
2: seven yards. You know,
1: and and yeah. closer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And... and, and, and 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 then you take then you take a uh, uh, report from policemen who either were shooting with a, a 38 special police revolver or whatever back in the day, having to, mm-hmm. you know, automatically policing their 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 their, their, oh, their yeah. yeah, stuff like this. Or during these reload, are, these taking these the
3: time in, to put it in their pocket,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. And these are things that are ingrained slowly into your body, which is a false a weak a false paradigm or a weakness in the paradigm of your training. Mm. It's yeah. like uh, helping people up off the ground in the dojo.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or picking you yourself up,
1: up like, a, like a like a toddler,
3: go-to. instead of rolling to get up. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So when 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 we look at every aspect of our training with it, with attention to detail. Yeah, if we are weak in any part, it's generally at the beginning and the end of training, at the end of the kata or the technique that we're practicing. The guy is lying on the ground, and because he's your buddy, you reach your hand out and help him up off the ground.
2: That's where right. you're yeah.
3: Instead of taking range where he can't kick you uh, or tackle your legs or something.
0: I think uh, it looks like we just lost um, George there. He might have had a drop oh, no. out on his phone, so uh okay. I'm sure he'll call back in but yeah no very very interesting kind of what he said I uh I don't know that I've experienced doing any rolling with uh with a rifle we I know in your classes done plenty of rolling with hanbos well I've
3: and, and and it and it, it could be you know and um, I mean that's George's experience I I've, I've learned to roll with a sword with uh rifles and things like that it's just a matter of shifting the weapon's position so that those other things don't happen and again um training so that you're not laying your finger on the trigger um unless you're actively engaging a target so bringing it up to the yeah. to the uh, firearm frame and things like that and again it's just you know it's a matter of experience as well but he makes a really good point that people will will put on the martial arts outfit or whatever their training outfit is and they'll train that way forgetting that they might not wear that kind of thing all the time right so yeah. It's okay. Welcome back. Same thing as wearing tight jeans or whatever. I mean, you know, you know that we occasionally have what I call street clothes days where you don't wear your martial arts uniform. You you wear what you normally wear, um, so that you can see that maybe you're not going to be doing a stomp kick up to their hip or their chest. You're going to have to do it to the top of their foot or the middle of their shin because that's all the mobility you have in the clothing that you're wearing. So, Uh, and, again, a lot of these things that were taught traditionally or classically um, – George was talking about this, and we talk about it regularly – is, you know, we're not talking about dressing and being of the stature or the environment of a 13th or 15th century uh, warrior, right? We're talking about maybe wearing combat boots or – I am not sure what that is. Uh, uh, static on the line. So, anyway, uh, there he is. Possibly. It could be, yeah, I mean, be right. that could be wearing combat boots, or it could be a woman who's wearing, you know, heels, or uh, you know, whatever it is, right? I mean, I talked about carrying a child. You and I worked out a, a
2: mm-hmm. thing uh,
3: so we could do a photo thing one time. Remember where uh, uh, I had my daughter and I was teaching people how to literally scoop your child into a position that looks really rough, and of course, you know, the child panics. But what does the child do? Grabs a hold of you, and what mm-hmm. I did was I literally just moved her horizontally onto my hip. Um, into basically a modified bobby position as right. you were closing in right so yeah. it's the quickest way to to keep them safe right right um george brought up not rolling on your kids right but what if you're out and you do have your family um you know i've taught in the past shifting it away where i'm going to knock my child down so that they're behind me and not clinging to my legs so that i can op- i can actually operate to get yeah. you know to get things handled if i can't just scoop them up and run so we have to recognize that there's more than just, you know, this classical way of training, which is really, you know, and I've had I've had teachers in Japan look at me and say, look, I am conveying this material this way as it's in the scrolls, because that's my responsibility.
2: Hmm. But
3: you have to recognize what you're going to need in 21st century where you live. Well, it was 21st or 20th century when they were talking to me. So, and where you live and what what are the most common attacks? And, you know, have you trained with your your Sagon or Ichimonzi or whatever Kamai, even Kosei and things, against a hook punch as opposed to this classical straight-on punch or an uppercut or whatever? Because some of these punches, if you don't understand proper angling and proper positioning, and not only where your Kamai is strong but also where it's weak, you're going to be completely thrown off when somebody throws a hook and you step back into Sagon and that hook, while it missed your head, Knocks your arm out of the way, knocks you off balance, and sets you up for that follow up that you're going to do. Hmm. So, uh. Or kicking the you know, head. A, <laughs> or a kick in the head. Absolutely. You know, we were talking about, uh, the, the fights going to the ground and how that was misinformation. Um, while this is not 100%, I can guarantee that, um, the, um, the loser in the majority of fights goes to the ground.
2: So, yeah.
3: <laughs> whether he's unconscious or not, um, and it's not about tackling and ground fighting after that. It's about sucking dirt and hoping that you're not taking a nap long enough for him to finish things. So,
1: um, um Sorry, sorry, I got cut off there. The signal just went dead, so I just read the number, So, um, okay. Well, this, the perception that I have developed over the years from training and from work. Uh, And and let's just look at things from from the concept of one-on-one or one-on-multiple opponents in, let's say, uh, a confrontational situation where you stop a bunch of guys coming into a pub or a nightclub or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what we have in those situations is a confrontation of one alpha male against another alpha male and we take it from the premise of being primate. yeah, it's a challenge to his authority in his group even though you're mm. external from his group
2: hmm.
1: so he will either accept or recognize that you're an alpha male there and then and that's your territory and bow to that superiority or he'll challenge it so this is what happens in among young men particularly yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, yeah. and mm-hmm. while they're mm-hmm. young young and dumb and full of testosterone they're willing to right take
2: right
1: right um, yeah. What really scares those individuals is somebody who takes calm, stays calm, and 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 shows no sign of an adrenal dump, and just looks them coldly straight in the eye and says to them, "You have about ten seconds to get away from me before I break you." And then generally, yeah. uh, a, a verbal kind of slight or a, a stronger verbal kind of confrontation might mitigate us. It's like. Um, your use of force paradigm in a self-defense situation. You know, yeah. If I go before a judge and the judge says, "Well, well, I'm I'm bringing you up on charges," are you being charged for tre- verbally threatening to to break that man's arm? And my answer would be, "Isn't it better than me breaking his arm, Your Honor?"
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: If you get me. So, again, the, the, uh, with with combat, with battle, with self-defense, when does the fight start? Is the biggest question. Oh. And it usually yeah, starts with body language. It usually starts with body language and atmosphere of the environment. You could walk yes. downtown here where I live in Newbridge and there's 15 pubs open tonight and there's 25,000 people living in the town thereabouts, maybe 22. And I can go from door to door to door in each one of those pubs and just stick my head in and in two seconds I'll discern whether I want to stay there or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I yeah. know the atmosphere, I know the feeling of the place. Yeah, that's familiarity. Because... If I go to another place in, in, in another part of the world and I stick my head in, I will use that very same sense, but it will take longer to discern mm. whether I want to stay there or not. It might take two mm. minutes, but that feeling is what I have to go by. And Tucki often says that our act is not an intellectual act, it's an emotional act. And he's right, yes. because uh, you don't fight with your intellect, you fight with your responses, your emotionally programmed responses. Yes. Yeah. Things that have been bet into you since you were a child. When I say bet into you, I don't mean that, you know, in the sense of being physically abused all the time, although that could be part of it. I I also mean, like, you know, through establishing your position in in the group dynamic, in the group that you grew up with. Yeah, it could result in an educational beatdown every now and again where somebody hits you across the head or pushes you to the ground and says, you know, more or less, without saying in words, but more or less, uh, you're subservient to me. You do what I tell you.
2: Yeah. This
1: is society, yeah. You know? And and, and well, in, regardless of what anybody anybody says, in, in 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 modern society where everybody wants safe places, which is a load of hardship, right? Um, and yeah. and everybody wants PC, which is wants everybody to PC, which is another load of horseshit. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a whole other of, story. <laughs> yeah, regardless of what what everybody says, you know, about oh, violence is not the solution. I'm sorry, but since the evolution of mankind and since we could speak and conceptualize our ideas, might has made rice right all across yes. the globe for centuries. Yes, yes,
3: I absolutely agree. And yeah, you know, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my teachers a long time ago, and uh, we were sitting over breakfast before a seminar. And uh we're having this this same conversation that, you know, society has not has done harm to people in the context I mean, while we're safe in numbers, it's done harm to people when it comes to self defense mentality because people tend to now even more so abdicate their security to the police who won't be there for ten minutes, half hour, whatever, right? Um and Mm -hmm. it also that they're completely missing this whole natural uh uh, selection thing that you were just talking about, where, you know, we, we think about something simple like, why do we stop at a traffic light? And people will often intellectualize that first, Well, they'll say, well, that's the law, that's what I'm supposed to do. No, you stop, because if you get caught, and you get a ticket, it hurts you. Financially, it hurts you. You have to get money out of your pocket. And you might get points and lose your license and all that. So there's the threat of Irish punishment. People,
1: Irish people are notorious for jaywalking in America. They always get fined. Uh, when we see the little red yeah. man on the traffic <laughs> site, they ignore us and just go across the road because there's no cars coming. It's called common sense.
3: Yeah, of course. No, no, no. I get that. I get that part. But what I mean is for, for most people, um, if we, if we just look at the social structure, most people, not when you would say most people, uh, but a lot of people functioned and and do what do what the law says or do what is quote unquote common sense because of you know the law punishing them um, one of my yeah. one of my teachers one time said you know the law is written for the lowest common denominator in any social group because average to above average people who want to live a happy life in a community of like-minded neighbors will do those things automatically anyway Because it's called common sense and common courtesy. I don't do these things when cars are coming because I'm going to get run over. But I can if no cars are coming. And that's where the problem comes in sometimes where, you know, a cop wants to write a ticket or something because you were jaywalking, but there were no cars. Or, you know, when I was a police officer and I was working night shift, right? uh, You know, they would, somebody would question me because they saw that I didn't stop somebody who blew through a red light at 3 a.m. But there's, they one, they didn't fly through it. They they came up to the, the intersection, slowed down, looked both ways, and then reaccelerated and kept going. Their light was red, but nobody else was on the road, and they have familiarity with that road. I'm not going to write them a ticket because they didn't stop at a red light and wait there for half a minute to a minute for nothing to in come. Up. Could um, the in <laughs> know, it could have be, been a thoughts
2: carjack.
1: you never know. That's right. Could be a right. in the right. neighborhood. In South Africa, people don't stop at traffic lights, yeah, they drive through them, because yeah. if they're near anywhere, any kind of rough settlement or rough rough neighborhood, they know they're going to get carjacked. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. three or four guys are going to come up out of the corner, smash the window in the car, pull them out of the car, kick the shit out of them, and take the car and drive yeah. off. Well, that, that,
3: that was actually one of the scenarios, scenarios really we set done. up in... Yeah, that was one of the scenarios we set up in the danger prevention tactics video, way, but way back, where we had uh, somebody pull up at a red light at night in a, I mean, it was a dark neighborhood. And it was it was safe where we filmed, but uh, the whole idea was like three guys rushed the car, and we had the, the the reenactment was the driver got a red light, just pull out, just go, right? Um, if if you know, you're conditioning to always follow the law, supersedes survival then, you know, you're, you're going to eat it because that's, that's what these guys yeah. are dependent on. You know, the, 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 that's what they have planned into things. Well, um, we're, we're
0: down to about four minutes remaining in, in the program wow. today. So, yeah, this has gone by. Well, you're watching the, the clock. <laughs> but I wanted yeah, to make sure, so. you know, if there, was, if there was anybody there that uh, wanted to make sure they got a question in or something like that, that we, we give that opportunity. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm checking on the, on at the moment to see if anyone submitted a question. So I'll take it out of lecture mode, put it in interactive mode here. That means that if you're live on the call, I, I don't see anybody on the live side. But if you are, now would be the time to speak up, and I'm going to check the webcast side to see. I'm showing some people over there, but I don't see any questions at the moment. So if you have any questions... Uh, for me, for Eric, for George, uh, now be the time to ask and since there's a 17-18 second delay from the time that I said that to the time that they hear it coming across their device, uh, we're going to have to fill that in. So,
1: If Eric wants to ask me a question or two as well, I have no problem because Jeff, we talk a lot between the two. Yeah, of course.
2: Things. Yeah, yeah.
1: Jerry, so, uh, Eric, the, what Eric, is- might, Eric might have, might have a couple of I, I yeah, I do I do
0: have one uh, I, I'd like to ask, and you kind of touched on it here just a little minute ago about um, how many times these are uh, your response in a, in a situation that comes about is is really an emotional one at the start. it's It's uh, based on your conditioning of your upbringing and all of that. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to hear of somebody the expertise and experience of of you. Um, with somebody like me who's who's looking to, to get good training in this, but again, have not you know, come up from this suburban lifestyle of, you know, not really ever living in a place of real danger, never being in any of these, you know, schoolyard fights. Uh, I have no experience there. And, you know, one of the things I often think about is if I find myself in a situation at some place like a convenience store at a gas station or, or any of these things where Something may develop and somebody has decided they're going to come at me. Uh, how can, how can somebody like myself work on some things to, I guess, steal the emotional response that may come from that? Because, you know, as, as with training, we always, uh, talk about, you know, the, the little, uh, person who, um, is is looking you know when they pick you out as a victim it's always going to be somebody that already feels they can defeat you crush you break you and so to know somebody so, like so, that is coming my way oh man wh- where where is my emotions going to go how do i steal myself to that reaction
2: so
1: I, I i think i think first off um you know if you come up from an environment and like, and background, like Jeff there, like myself, some other people, I had seen me since they had a similar background. Um, you learn to keep distance, which means you don't let anybody within arm's reach or 18 inches of your body. an 18 inches is letting somebody you don't know really close in.
2: Because
1: mm. they're inside your peripheral vision. Mm. You know, even if you do smoke, and somebody asks you, hey buddy, you got a cigarette, you got a light, you say, no, I don't smoke. Starts off with simple things like that. Yeah, for me the safest distance six foot. If I don't know a guy, I'll, you know, I'll hold my hand up. Yeah. listen. Hold on for a second. I'm at, uh, you know. At, well, how can I help you? And I'll keep my distance and I'll start moving, because I'm not. I'm not only moving to not show maybe an adrenaline dump where, when you get an adrenaline dump, your leg might start to shake, and that's normal for everybody, even people who are experienced fighters. So mm. that's not to be ashamed of. So, you know, when you're growing up with your kid and you say, oh, look, he's shaking, yeah, which then freezes you even more. But your natural instinct is to move when you get an the of them. So I'll start moving and looking around and see who's with him, see, you know, you know if he's been talking to somebody and they come over, you know, I'll keep the distance, yeah. And then I'll make yeah. an executive decision as to whether I let him get closer or not, but I'll be in such a position that I can drop him in a heartbeat. The second mm-hmm. thing is that you have to practice hitting really hard once right? Mm-hmm. And making sure that guy goes down, right? And that's with open hands. Don't punch because you'll break your hand.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't spend out in front of a mackawara trying to condition it. Yeah? Boxers often break their hands in street fights and then Jeff said this earlier on, you don't see guys going down in a street fight, bare knuckle fighting from a punch. Why? Because instinctively you know you can't hit as hard as if your hands were bandaged so you were wearing gloves. Mm-hmm simple right if you do hit people with your hand hard it's going to break i don't care who you are mike tyson broke his hand three times in and so again it's about distance so and then it's about timing and while they're interviewing anything you do you are interviewing them so that's a face-to-face kind of confrontation ambush is totally different situation the thing is about Keeping your wits about you, your eyes peeled and your head head on a swivel, you know, constantly looking around you. If you're in the garage, getting getting some fuel to your vehicle, uh, and it's night time and it's dark, even if there's lights on, somebody might come out of the bushes and come at you.
2: Mm-hmm. Pile
1: drive you into the car, put a gun to your head and say, drive. Yeah? So it's about you, you know, holding the pump but looking around you.
2: Right. right. Yeah,
1: instead of looking at the pump mindlessly, you know, daydreaming. Yeah. You know, mm. you see a lot of people out jogging today. Well, these days, people are mad into keeping fit, they're out jogging, they're out running, they have they have they have their, their iPad, their iPhone plugged into their ears and they can't hear what's going on around them.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Get that shit out of your ears.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Become more and, you know, the, in
1: nature and, and your environment.
3: And think about the fact that and I'm like, with the ambush thing, this guy's looking for an easy target, or at least a relatively easy target. So the fact that you're looking around and you just seem to be more aware, he's going to find an easier target, generally speaking, because he he, th- he has he's looking for an ambush. He's looking to surprise you. But if you're an aware person, or at least look like you're an aware person, then you lower yourself on the scale. But George, I think what he was making uh, If uh, uh, yes. if he, he, I think what he was really getting to, getting at was. Do you have any suggestions for uh, how he might get some experience with handling the kind of stress and pressure that or the level of stress and pressure that you and I have become accustomed to? We still, we still have yeah. the same adrenal response everybody else has, but we've become accustomed to that and can operate through it. So he's never experienced that. So his question was really in tune with any suggestions for how to do that. I have my own, but I'm, this is on you at the moment. So,
1: Get a job as a doorman in the nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: I, I was just going to say, you need to put yourself in situations yeah. where it's going to make you nervous. And you have to stay there for the very thing, long, the but is, start to get The those thing things. is, you don't
1: even have to get a job as a doorman, but you could ask the doorman if they wouldn't mind you uh, uh, understudying them. Hanging out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And mm. hanging out, learning all their tricks, because there's a lot of what, what I call tricks, yeah, to judging people and profiling people and deciding whether you're going to let them in the door of a nightclub. Right? You make that yeah. when the, when they're twelve feet away. You make the decision if you're going to let them in when they're twelve, fifteen feet away from you before they even open their mouth. Yeah, I had a, a, a an old sergeant in the army here. He worked in a lot of doors. And he had a trick that he'd stop everybody because he wanted to see if they were wearing boots or shoes. So he'd say, "What colour are your socks?" So you'd have to lift up your trouser leg to show to show wearing either black socks, red socks, or white socks. So back then there was a lot of a lot of people into ska, music, punk, and there was skinheads, mods, rockers, all that kind of stuff. Right. So if you were wearing red socks, you weren't getting in. If you were wearing white socks, you weren't getting in. If you were wearing black socks, you were getting in. But the real reason <laughs> he asked to put up the trouser leg was to see if you were wearing boots. Because he figured if you're wearing boots and they had steel toe caps in them, he was going to have a rough time when you kick when you kick him in the head,
2: or kick mm-hmm. him anywhere
1: else. So he wasn't going to let anybody in wearing boots.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know? That's just sure a simple enough. example. Yeah, you
2: know? yeah.
1: So, and yeah. and 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 it's doing it without being discriminatory, in a sense. Yeah. You're profiling a guy as he's coming along, and you might say, Oh, we have a a a a a, a dress policy." for example. Now, in modern days, most people wear trainers' jeans and a shirt going out, you know, maybe maybe some deck shoes or something like that, yeah? But when I go out to a nightclub in, in certain parts of Dublin, you have to wear shirts, a slag, a, a suit jacket, and, 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 and a decent pair of shoes. Oh, you're not getting in. It's that simple. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. if you turn up wearing a t-shirt or a polo shirt, you're not getting in. You have to go home and put on a shirt and come back in a decent pair of shoes. You know, it sounds ridiculous in this modern age, but this is the way... It's also a character test. If I stop you and say, listen, man, sorry, not tonight, you're not dressed properly. would you mind going home and, and and getting changed? But if that sets you off and you start calling me an arsehole, a prick, and all other kind of uh, four-letter words, well, then I'm not letting you in. <laughs> you just doing a character right. test.
3: <laughs> Thanks for proving my point. <laughs> all right. So,
1: yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know... You know um, um, and it's a, a guy, do I have to really, you know, look, for tonight only, but next time come back, come, come, come meet me back, you know? Yeah. You reward good behavior, you punish bad behavior. Simple. It yeah. sounds not PC, but it's the truth.
3: Yeah. And, no, and we've been wired for that since childhood anyway. I mean, we've been wired yeah. for that. You know, you reward good behavior, you punish bad behavior. But in the PC world, mm-hmm. we're supposed to accept everyone because that's how they are. Yeah, well, you can, I'm okay with you being how you are. You just can't be that in my environment. So if that makes me non-PC, that's fine, but I'm controlling my environment and the safety of the people I'm responsible for. So <laughs> <but> they're off. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's <laughs> like, when, it's like somebody said a while back, if, 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 if somebody comes onto you and they're really aggressive and you tell them to get the fuck away from you now and he doesn't do that. Yeah. He hasn't followed simple
2: instructions.
1: It's a simple set of instructions that maybe he thinks, who the fuck are you telling me to get the fuck away from you? Now I'm going to smash your head in. But as soon as he moves towards you, you have every right, because you already warned him to smack him one and drop him.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. Now, obviously, that depends on context and everything else. I'm not saying going around everybody who looks at you, (laughs) with a crooked eyes to... To, to go but everything.
3: George said,
0: <laughs> I'm glad you added that disclaimer in there because I was thinking, <laughs> oh, this is what I'm
3: going to do.
1: Your Honor, I didn't punch him. He walked into my fit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 47 times. Uh, exactly. <laughs>
1: I was trying to help He was persistent. kept on banging his head off my hand. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's right. That's funny. All right. Well, well I really think we're going to take one more taking the time
0: there, George, to, to be a part of the call. And, yeah, if there's anybody else there uh, that has a, a last question, now's the time.
3: No one has uh, sent any questions in via the, the webcast site. So, and I okay. don't hear anyone online or on the, uh, on the live call. So one last chance to speak up or um, listen to the recording, I guess. So and uh, can I can I, know,
1: I, can I say I, can I say one one last thing before we finish up before you finish up, Jeff? I know you've around Sure. If all. I don't
3: like it, I'll pull the plug. So, no,
1: go all, ahead. <laughs> the, all training, even military training, is fake. All practice, hmm. even military practice, is fake. Reality, while you can approach it to a certain level, um, in training it can't be totally achieved. So. Hmm. Hmm. In that sense and with that sentiment, understand that whether you're practicing kata, which
2: are drills,
1: done slowly in the bujim can at least, you're practicing accuracy, timing, distance and balance. When you speed those drills up, some of that accuracy, timing and distance and balance is going to be lost. By the time yeah. you get to a real situation, the refined movements you have in your programming uh, and practicing flow, slowly to develop pr- proprietary perception. Uh, it's going to be gone, and your techniques are going to be more or less gross motoric.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. So that means yeah. the more time you spend practicing the individual techniques or the footwork and the movement slowly and properly with proper correction, the better for you when it comes to fight because your skills are going to diminish in a real fight. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely you're agree. Not I, I, team, I, you're not I going remind to be a yeah. Then the second thing, I we... what I would say is this: is that uh, most of the techniques in most martial arts were not brought back by the winners; they were brought back by the losers who, who stayed alive. That's my hmm. opinion, and I don't care what anybody else says, right? Because well, the guys that are really good at it aren't going to be sharing things with everyone. Yeah, so. only a guy, only a guy who got his ass kicked, kicked uh, got his ass kicked for him, can actually come up with a solution so he doesn't get his ass kicked the next time.
3: Well, you know, I actually wrote an article about that um, where I talked about the founder of the Tagagi Yoshin School and the founder of the Togakure School and how they had both been on, well, one was in a, in a fight um, and got his butt handed to him because even at that point in history, he was a master of some longstanding traditional school, this old school thing, and he got beat up by um, a <coughs> kind of a modern guy for his time, and uh he mm-hmm. lost, he the lucky side was the guy didn't kill him, right? And uh, yeah. uh, Daisuke Nishina, the founder of the Subakure School, was on the losing side in a whole all-out battlefield kind of thing, and he was supposed to commit seppuku, but because he had an arrangement with his uh, his general or leader or whatever, that if he survived the battle but the general didn't, that this guy now had an obligation to, to protect the general's uh family so he um, escaped to the mountains yeah. and that's when he ran it so both of these lineages were founded by losers these guys had lost originally and then encountered better information better uh knowledge that had been, been honed over it, over centuries
1: if you think about it too they developed more sneaky ways of defeating people so they don't Absolutely. have to fight front on yeah. Mm. Right? So, yeah so so if we if we I don't want to go too too much longer cuz i know you're limited to time If if, if we think about this like this, if if, if a guy beats up me today, and I absolutely have to, out of honor, obligation, or whatever else, get him back, well, I'm not going to do it standing face to face. I'm going to walk up behind him, smack him in the back of the head. Haven't I? That's
2: right.
1: That's
2: right. That's
3: right. Somebody wants to meet me in the parking lot at three thirty. Yeah. Sorry. Somebody wants to meet me in the parking lot at three thirty after work. I'm going to be there at. 2:30 2:30 and already have it planned out. So when he shows up, he's walking into a trap. So to, to show <laughs> up also, at 3:30 when he's. You, you know, so. Withashi. Anyway. Yeah, yeah and, that's right. Uh, I, 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 and, and Eric knows we Masashi talk about this a lot people in, people in the class.
1: You know, you, 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 you 50 for, people in, in modern perspective, he would be a psychopath. Yeah. yeah. Think about oh. it like that. All right. Yeah. He would be. He, he reveled in fighting, he reveled in battle. He killed his first person when he was 13 by jumping out of yeah. a tree with a loaded book and smacked the guy straight across the head back to <laughs> A
2: loaded book.
1: <laughs> Done. <Yeah. laughs> when I say loaded, Done. the was full of lead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, was,
1: it made it heavy. it was full of lead. It was a training suburto. But he jumped straight down, smacked the guy in the head, broke his skull, and he was only 13 years old at the time. Yeah. You you show me so, a 13-year-old who so, killed anybody today, I'll show you a psychopath. Because yeah. he's doing it in a form of years. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if, yeah.
2: it's,
1: it's like somebody said to me, were you ever in combat? Yeah. You ever shoot a people? Yeah. You ever kill anybody? I don't know. Mm. And the answer is, is that, do you know what a human being looks like at 400 meters?
2: Yeah. It's,
1: it's a tree stump. A
2: mm-hmm. human yeah. being
1: looks like a tree stump. So you, you can't tell if you've hit them. Mm. Right. You're certainly okay. not going to run 400 meters into the battlefield and check if he's <laughs> all right. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: Do you know what I mean? So, so I, I absolutely agree with, with the, with the, the yeah. agree yeah. with the training paradigm.
2: Yeah,
3: I agree with the training paradigm because we talk about it in the dojo all the time. In the dojo, we train for perfection because on the street, everything's going to be rough and raw, and yeah. it's going to be you're going to settle for good enough. But if in the dojo you're settling for good enough, and you're knowing that your skills are going to diminish. What are you going to have left after that adrenal response strips everything away? And yeah. then what do you have, right? If you don't get it wired into okay. muscle memory, what are you going to have left? Yeah. When you can't remember your own name because of the of the the experience you're having, how are you going to remember an onikudaki or whatever? Mm. So, uh yeah, it's just. And it's you just
1: can't it. talk because after the battle, you're yucking your guts up from the amount of adrenaline that surged through your body. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? people
1: don't understand yeah. that, you know? No. You see a guy in a, a, after a battle, you know, there's stories uh, that
2: are
1: they're, they're out there, but, you know, we know, we both know people who have been in combat and, and they've shit and pissed themselves but continued on fighting and people don't understand. Ah, yeah. oh, he shit himself, what? Yeah, the guy <laughs> has pissed himself or shit himself in a fight. Big deal. That's part of the battle. Just smile and keep going. That's
2: yeah. right. That's oh, it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what adrenaline does to your body. It's so toxic. That yeah. it can override every other chemical process in your body for that period of time, which means you won't feel any pain.
2: Yeah.
3: And but if your you modern sens- lasting, social sensibilities if your modern social sensibilities shut you down when that occurs to you, well then you're dead anyway. I mean if you just realize that you have at that point, you've already tried negotiating, you've already tried not being there, um, soldier aside. You've already, you know, done everything you can to, to to diminish this and de escalate it and the punches are mm-hmm. flying or the bullets are flying or whatever, you have one option. Survive. Right? Well you have two. When somebody right, goes two,
1: past when somebody goes my rule it's it's is this somebody passes the eighteen inch distance and tries to you know the way guys pull their chest up and bang their chest up. When somebody tries that you get dropped right there and then. Well
3: mm-hmm. it has to That's because it'll hit you before you'll see it coming. So if the way our eyes striking is
1: allowed you to say you just say under the law you Oh, yeah. Very important thing I'm going to say now. Uh, Jeff, you might back this up as a police officer. Police officers are always trying to get the details of an event, right? Some of them might have a quota to fulfill, and they'll prosecute both the defender and the attacker, right? Yeah. Thinking, potluck, I'll get one one out of the two, right? Now, that's depending on state and the officers themselves, obviously, etc., and country as well. Yeah. So my experience has been, say nothing until you hear more is what we say in Ireland, and I'll hear more Monday or Tuesday next week when I come down to the, the police station officer and make my statement then. That's what you do. You give yourself time so that you can coherently put your statement together so that you don't in any way whatsoever incriminate yourself. Mm. Right. Because mm. if you say... To the police and actually, make sure what, that you clearly,
3: you clearly state that you thought you were in serious danger. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't do that... Then you are fighting, and it's not self-defense. And you mm-hmm. make sure that's very, very clear. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's,
1: it's the case of mutual combat or attack. Yeah, is it mutual combat? If it's mutual combat, you both get in charge. Right. If, if, if you're you're having a verbal exchange with a guy, and he tells you shut the fuck up, and you don't walk away from that, you're in trouble. Hmm. That's right. That's right. That's
3: right. If your ego won't let you leave, if your ego requires that you stand your ground. Then it's a fight. It's a contest. Hmm. So suck it up, buttercup. You're going to jail just like him. And, you know, you you're fighting, right? You, you, right? you decided to use opposing force. But if you've tried to walk away and then he jumps you or blocks your way or whatever, now you have grounds to, to, for assault or aggravated assault because you felt that your life and or your physical well-being was in serious danger. Right? You were in jeopardy. That now you're in a whole different that. realm.
1: Right? Yeah. I have one thing yeah. to say as well about security professionals. Right? Yeah. Some guys in the security profession think they're cops. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah.
1: Or yeah. Have, yeah, Maybe they're ex-cops yeah. and have the same rights. Sorry, you're a security officer. Yeah, that's right. right. Hmm. Your job you,
3: is to you, re- observe and report. That's it.
1: Your job is to observe and report or intervene. You're a deterrent. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And you're a deterrent. If you decide Definitely. you can't walk away from the door and you are the center of somebody's attention uh, uh, and they want to literally fight you and you decide to preemptively strike them. Sorry, you're going to jail. You don't have the yeah. same rights as a cop. Cop, A cop yeah. can't back down because he is the law
2: Definitely.
1: or the representative of the law.
2: Yeah. Now, we
1: can get into the semantics of legality and justice. They're two different things, right? But what I will say is that It's better to play a game of tag with another doorman and say, listen, buddy, can you tag me out of here? I need to go back into the back. You're being braver by pulling yourself away from that situation, whether it's on the door, whether it's any other type of security, doesn't matter. You're being braver by removing yourself as the focus of that confrontation, by Hmm. actually taking responsibility and walking away than you are if you do stand there and stand your ground. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: as soon as the people in the incident change, the customer or the punter who's standing at the door looking to get in would you stop the shouting and roaring at you. But if Johnny Mack is six foot five and weighs three hundred and fifty pounds, he's not going to shout and roar at him. But you tag Johnny Mack in, Johnny Mack is going to talk to him nicely and quietly. <laughs> that's
3: right. Well, this
0: has been uh, a really great informative. Call. Yeah, George, we
3: have to wrap this up. They're going to boot us off the service here pretty soon. Yeah, that's so what I'm worried. It,
0: uh, it might cut us off here for the recording part of this. And uh, thank
3: you again. I absolutely do agree. I, I do. I agree. I was just talking to somebody the other day about the same thing where, you know, people are walking around because they've got these skills and they're not afraid and whatever. And Well, if you think you're going to take on a gangbanger and hurt him and if he knows who you are. If you don't think that your family's not going to be in jeopardy within less than an hour, then there's something wrong with your head. So there's times to, to do other, to, to use other options. And that's yeah. one of the things that I like so much about Needed to in, in its completeness to, you know, that you're, you're getting your head in the game, your heart's in the game, and you're not just a bag of tricks where, you know, you, you're going to be a fighter. Right. So, anyway, we need to wrap this
1: up. You know what I I said to you once, Jeff, was it's all well and good being a big, tough, hard man outside in front of all your buddies. There's a different kettle of fish when I'm sitting on your chest at three o'clock in the morning with a knife to your throat. (laughs)
3: That's right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. Not saying that I would do that now, man,
1: but that's just (laughs) a hypothetical scenario.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, we need to wrap this up. Uh, Eric, I gave you the URL there earlier for the. Three mistakes that Bujinkan people are making in their training. This is regards to self-defense minded people. If you're just doing this for a fun activity and spiritual training and body movement exercises and all that, disregard everything. Don't get the ebook, whatever. But I wrote this ebook. Uh, it just covers three things um, as a starter, right? But uh, uh, Eric, if you want to uh, make sure they have that, and then uh, we'll close out. Okay, uh, yeah, just trying to pull that up here and I'm um,
0: having a little computer trouble here with this, well, this let me link, see I, so I, I apologize. apologize. No, yeah. Okay.
3: I don't trust you. Okay, so uh, let's see. Um, okay, so you can Thanks find... I, I had to shorten this out. I really
2: appreciate it.
3: Because... Uh, there we go. Okay, so uh, if you type in HTTP, uh, just type in tinyurl, the word tiny and url.com, four slash three huge mistakes. So three B U J and then the word mistakes. Okay? Uh then you can download the uh you can download the uh the ebook. Okay? It's free. Doesn't cost you anything.
2: Okay? That cool is, uh, that's Thanks it for you. me. Yeah, cool. Everybody great. All fun. right sir.
0: Um if uh I'll have to ask you here to um in the recording for us, and if you want to play that little out, because my computer is totally froze on me, so I'm glad I'm still on the call, but uh, hanging me in here, so I've lost my connection to to get back.
3: Okay, hold on one second. I've got somebody banging on a window over here. Um, I have the door locked so we can record, and now they're uh, making sure they get my attention. I have to get to audio, where? Kuden? Uh, there we go. All right. I'm going to close this out. Thanks for joining us, guys uh, and girls. So uh, we'll talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to KUDAT. The podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit
2: warrior-concepts-online.com.